welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker, and I'm joined, as always, by Matt Chamberlain. How's it feel be- being back after, like, a whole week off? We we took a load management week, and, <laughs> and now we're doing fine, so I'm feeling good. Yeah, we did. We took a LeBron week. That's what we'll call it. Now a LeBron season. <laughs> now a LeBron season. We'll be doing what LeBron is doing, watching the playoffs at home with everyone hey. else. <laughs> Had to get my Lakers shot in at some point during this podcast. Might as well start off right um before we get in too far into the show remember to follow us on twitter at nba couch GM pod matt has been doing an awesome job of like updating our march madness podcast talking about some players prospects we we're just talking about a lot of that before we started recording uh it's a fun time to be watching basketball because there's a lot of good basketball and more of it about to be on. Um, remember to find us if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Um, subscribe, like, whatever uh, your choice of platform. Do that action and we would greatly appreciate it. And also leave us a review if you get the chance. Um, quick recap of episode 22. We talked about uh, the Russell Westbrook incident with the Jazz fan and the um, fallout from that. Um, Spurs bouncing back after a tough road trip. We then went into our March Madness and NBA prospects, what I talked about just a few seconds ago. And then uh, we got into Game of the Weeks. Uh, Matt had the Rockets Spurs. Um Matt predicted that the Rockets would win 118 to Spurs 112. The Rockets actually won that 111 to 105. My game of the week was the D'Angelo Russell revenge game, and he got his revenge. The <laughs> Nets Lakers played. Um, I predicted the Nets would win 131 to the Lakers 120. The Nets actually ended up winning 111 to the Lakers 106. I don't think I've ever seen like our game of the week scores been so close. Man, they were good. I predicted a six point outcome. Got a six point outcome, and you predicted the Nets would knock the Lakers out of the playoffs, and that's what that game did it. There we are. How about that? Even like the like Rockets scoring 111 and the Nets scoring 111. That was weird. And then the Spurs scoring 105 and the Lakers scoring. That was also very weird. <laughs> Maybe there's a trend in the NBA that teams who win score more than the other teams. What? I know it's crazy. You should tell Magic Johnson about that. Had to get another Lakers singer, and I'm sorry. Just one more. <laughs> anyway, what happened this week in the NBA, Matt? So there's quite a bit of news we'll run through real quick, um, just since we did take a, uh, a week off. So some of this is more recent than others, um, but here we go. <laughs> so Western Conference playoff teams are officially set with Sacramento uh, officially eliminated from the playoff race this past week. So we know the eight teams. We just don't know the seeding yet as of this recording. The next big piece that came out just a couple days ago, it's a, it's a weird piece of news, is Kristaps Porzingis, now at the Dallas Mavericks, has an alleged rape allegation uh, issued against him from a situation that happened when he was still with the Knicks back in 2018, right after he had torn his ACL. And what makes the story even weirder is that Dallas apparently only knew of the extortion aspect of this, which was the woman... And Kristaps had like some way somehow talked about payment um, to cover up what had happened. So Dallas knew about that, but not the reason why, I guess. But the Knicks and the NBA knew the reason why. Somehow that didn't get communicated during the massive blockbuster trade. <laughs> um, 
kind of shady there on yeah. the Knicks side, but uh, I get why they didn't say anything. <laughs> they got quite a haul out of it. So I'm not, I'm not quite sure what to make of the situation. It's so fresh. It's so new. Don't want to jump to anything, but this is very serious. Yeah, this is not a good situation for Kristaps in Dallas. Like, this is not something that you would want a future superstar of the league to have on his record. I'd say he's only 23. I was like, yeah. he still in theory has a 10 plus year career ahead of him and and this looks really bad and now for the Mavericks, they're, they're looking to be big spenders this offseason and all of a sudden your sales pitch looks a whole lot worse now. Yeah, especially if you don't know like about uh, like suspensions and all that yeah. fallout from this, and it could be get really bad for Dallas really quick and Kristaps, and um, yeah, it's just not a good situation all around. And obviously, whatever happened, like we we hope the woman involved like is okay and yeah, is able to deal with absolutely. all this. That's more important than any bit of basketball. But on some level, we know it does affect the basketball also. In other news, um, we alluded to it. The Lakers have officially shut down LeBron <clears throat> for the remainder of the season. Obviously made sense once they were eliminated, thanks to D'Angelo Russell, and then a couple <laughs> games since then. It just it wasn't worth it. There was no need to to put him through it. He had that groin injury back in the middle of the season. It's time to really get him some rest and going into the offseason, put out the best LeBron you can get pitching free agents. Hopefully Before that's it. the case. You Magic better hope so if he wants to keep his job. Yeah. Um, Got to get Kemba to L.A. I, I feel like that's like the eighth guy on their list. <laughs> but it, maybe it shouldn't be. Um, other news. Another sad piece of news, unfortunately. Um, Yusuf Nurkic. Man, he had a Paul George injury. Yeah. The day. I, I, I saw this break. I never saw a video, and I'm kind of thankful. Like I, I went and found it. I, was, I didn't see it live, mm. and I would... I heard just like the worst, and so I was like, I have to go watch it for myself. Yeah. It, it's bad. <laughs> it's really bad. Yeah, because it was a like bone sticking on the skin situation, right? Uh, I don't honestly remember because I, I just saw his foot just turn, and oh. I was like, nope, done. <laughs> but like, so like, I watched it all happen. I didn't want to just sit there and stare at it, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> but like, it was one of those like you could tell like immediately everyone knew like, like just not how good. bad it was. Yeah. Um, He's out indefinitely, obviously. He had, I think he had surgery the other day. From a basketball side, this obviously greatly affects Portland. They could be looking at another first round out because of this, but it's sad because Nurkic was having a career year, points, rebounds, assists, literally everything. He was having the best year of his career after signing that contract in the last offseason. So I'm obviously hoping he gets better, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see this type of Yusuf Nurkic for another year or two. Yeah. I mean, you think about how long it took Paul George to get back to where he is. Yeah. Gordon Hayward's still on that path now. And, man, these are just like gruesome leg injuries. They just take a long time to come back they to do. play basketball at the highest level. But those two guys you just mentioned aren't seven foot. 250, 260. Yeah, those guys aren't like vying for rebounds every other play yeah. and trying to box out and dunk and all that stuff. So it's a different style, different player, and so who knows what this will look like going forward. 
Um, regarding the Bucks, the Bucks number one team in the East right now looks like they'll probably lock that up um, going into the playoffs. But they're missing some dudes now. They kind of avoided the injury bug all year. But this past couple weeks, it's really starting to hit. Malcolm Brogdon, Pau Gasol, and Nikola Mirotic um, all have been ruled out for the remainder of the regular season due to injuries. But they're hopeful that all those guys will be able to return sometime in the first or second round of the playoffs. I think they can get by the first round without those guys, to be yeah. honest. It's the second round where if you have to play Boston, Philly, Indiana, one of those teams, that you start getting a little more worried without them. Also, Dante DiVincenzo's out for the year, um, straight up. So, the big Not good. Ragu. It's too bad because Malcolm Brogdon, another guy who's just having like a fantastic year, yeah. kind of like quietly just producing. Mm-hmm. and Playing for a contract, too. Playing for a contract. Another Virginia guy here who like just like popped out of nowhere and is starting to play well. Older guy, but yeah, um, yeah. It's too bad for the Bucks because like you wonder what they could have done with these guys and resting and mm-hmm. kind of going forward into the playoffs. Um, but I mean, if they come back in the first or second round, they're still they're still probably fine. I wouldn't be surprised if like maybe they try and just get them some easy minutes at the yep. end of the first round if you know it's a game four or something they try and ease them back in with a couple minutes so that way their first game back isn't against one of those other teams had mentioned but at the same time i know they're going to want to take it um safe with those guys and they probably still feel good <laughs> about their team you still have Giannis. so at the end of the day you feel pretty good no matter what but it would sure sure be helpful to have those guys out there um, other news just because the season is winding down we're in the last full week of the regular season a few guys um have went Went ahead and got shut down by their respected teams. Um, Kelly Oubre, Dante Exum, Derek Rose, Jeff Teague, Robert Covington, Frank Nielakita, Lori Markkinen have all been announced um, as shut down just because of either minor injuries or lingering injuries or, or new things that have popped up. Teams didn't feel the need to really rush back. And or if you're just Minnesota Timberwolves, either one. Yeah. <laughs> so um, all those guys out for the remainder of the year. A um, couple last things. Chris Bosch and Manu Ginobili got their jerseys retired in Miami and San Antonio, respectively. Really, really cool um, for both of them. Yeah, Chris Bosch like just yelled at the crowd at the end of his. Yeah, very classic Chris Bosch. Did you hear the Tim Duncan story whenever he was talking on the mic <laughs> about Manu? Yeah, Manu, Manu Ginobili. Call <laughs> <laughs> no. pop. Who is this guy? <laughs> um, That's just a really cool. Um, and then one last this little note, and it'll tie into your thought of the week, which we're about to talk to. Devin Booker's on fire. Like, just straight fire um, at the time of this recording. He's gone for 48, 50, and 59 in his last three games. So let, let's just transition to our straight-up thought of the week. Ryan, we'll go with you first. Okay. Knowing that information. So I'm going to kind of leave this open, open-ended open question because I've seen a lot of people debating this on Twitter. And I don't think I'm really decided yet. Um, but is Devin Booker overrated? Uh, I don't know. Is it... Can you be overrated when you're on the worst team in the NBA? Like, see, that's that's my thing. Is like, yeah, he's getting all these points. What would this team look like if he wasn't getting all these points? Like, it's kind of that argument that Russell Westbrook. They'd be winning like four games. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like the argument that Russell Westbrook had for his MVP season a couple seasons ago. Like, if he wasn't getting those triple doubles, what would that team look like? Not really good. Bad. Be really, really bad. Yeah. Gosh. I don't I'm, like. 
he's still shooting the ball incredibly well. Like, sometimes, like, the Suns will, like, intentionally foul to, like, try to get him. Like, they did a couple seasons ago against Boston and get him to 70. Yeah, and so part of me is like, you know, is the 59 number, that 70 number, some of these, like, a little inflated? Yeah, (coughs) but the dude's been, like, just red hot and kind of showing, like, if you were looking... To be a spender in the offseason, and it feels like they're, the Suns are a spender every offseason because they never have, like, guys. They they're always around. two years <laughs> away from being two yeah. years away. <laughs> like, they're, he's just putting out such a product to be like, you know, this is someone you can play around it. And I feel like he developed a little faster than Phoenix thought he would. And I feel like that's really throwing the team off, too. Yeah. Like, how do we build around a guy that we didn't think was going to be good until probably, like, now. this year? Yeah. And he's been this good now for a couple years already. So I think that's really weird um, for the team because they just didn't know how to build around that. And then they haven't done a good job <laughs> team building anyway. <laughs> well, like, what is his coaching situation, Ben? He's had yeah. a new coach, like, every other year. It feels like it. So that's why I don't – I can't think he's overrated, but – Maybe that's because I still have no idea what to think of him as an actual good NBA player on a good NBA team because he's never been on one. See, that's that's kind of the camp I fall into. Um, I, I just, like, don't know where to put... Like, if you put James Harden on this team, he would probably be producing the same numbers. Yeah, and you'd think the team would be better than they currently are, 17 and 60. You were at 60 losses. <laughs> that's so. That's like not God. the first time they've hit that mark either, right? No, no, it's not. So that's... And like, it's not... Like, I can't say losing all those games are his fault. Oh, no. It's, it's not his fault they're losing 60 games. <coughs> now, you would like to think if he was really like an elite player, they would definitely be in the 25 to 35 range at the very least. But like... I think he's proving he's at the very least a solid number three, hopefully number two guy at the very least on a championship team. Like, he kind of reminds me of Clay, Clay Thompson. Like, would like Clay would probably be about the same. Like, yeah. he can't be a team by himself. Like, Clay's a better overall player, but like, he's a third option on that Warriors team, and I think Devin Booker could be the same. It's just like he's stuck on this team that has no competence whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm probably going to say he's not overrated, but I could see if like they get a couple guys, like, and he still puts up these kind of <coughs> empty stats that it comes across the other way i don't know he's just such a weird player because he's in the weirdest situation right it's like the same thing with carl anthony downs you talked about that a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. on your thought of the week like he's just (laughs) he's just been on a bad team like yeah how do you judge what he does whenever like he's playing alongside gorgie jang or in this case josh jackson (laughs) like derrick rose has had a resurgence this year and that's been like a big big development for minnesota yeah whereas with Arizona, uh, Phoenix Suns, it's like, man, it took DeAndre Ayton giving him decent rookie, like, skills and abilities to, like, make this team feel semi-relevant watching. Yeah. If it wasn't for DeAndre Ayton having a good rookie year, like, this team is absolutely nothing Yeah, without Devin Booker. So, I don't know. You're right. It's probably just an open-ended question that probably won't get answered for another couple years. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like you said, how old is he? Like 23? I think so, yeah. That's off the top of my head. Like most superstars aren't like superstars until later. Like 
26, 27, 28. Yeah, that's like the real prime. I mean, so- like Kyrie was doing the same thing on Cleveland before LeBron showed back up. Like, the Cavs suck. They had a number one pick when LeBron came back. Yeah. Oh, he's only 22. He turns 23 at the beginning of next season. So it's like, yeah, he's still super young. They've already given him the big contract extension. Like, they believe he's going to be that dude. It's, to me, like, I don't, I can't put him in, like, a top 20 player discussion, though. No. Yet. And I, I, I wouldn't, like, I would do that. But, like, one of the better shooters in the league. Oh, if you're talking about just shooters, he's a top 20 shooter for sure. Yeah. But overall players, I can't put him there. Maybe he just hasn't had the opportunity to be in that discussion, but he's not there yet for me. I mean, like, I don't even, if you, like, looked up his, like, crunch number statistics, I don't even know if he would register enough, like, crunch time stats. Minutes to, to like, <laughs> yeah, qualify. Because they're never in close games. Like, they're just never in the game ever. So, like... And even the games they win, like, some of them are big wins because Golden State just didn't show up. Like, they, they sell Jonas Jarebko. Purely on accident. Yeah, so I I can't even trust half their wins. <laughs> and they're only at 17 wins. <laughs> it's not good. That data size is not good. Uh, Matt, what's your thought of the week? Let's stop talking about yeah. Devin Booker because we could go around for hours on this. Um, so my thought of the week, kind of the opposite. And Philly is starting to figure some things out. Um, eight and two in their last ten. Each of their starters are averaging at least 17 points per game. Right now, Tobias Harris has kind of found his niche with this team. Ben Simmons feels like there aren't as many eyes on him anymore. Like we're just watching this team play rather than him. Butler's taking a lot of the attention off him too. I just feel like this team's like starting to like realize like what they should be doing, how they should be playing going into the playoffs, and it's not featuring Ben Simmons quite as much. And I think that's a good thing. Right now, long term, I don't know if that's a good thing, but for right now, it's working out okay. Yeah. We rag on the 76ers quite a bit on this podcast. But like there is an opening, like we talked about, with Mil- with Milwaukee's injuries. Toronto, you never know what they get out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Philly could find themselves in a situation where they could get to the Eastern Conference Finals fairly easily. Yeah, I would say right now they're sitting in the three. They've kind of taken that. And with just how few many games are left in the season, they could hold on to it um, and be fine. And even the games, like, they've lost, like, even just, like, this month. Like, they're close games, like, every single time. Like, they lost on... I'm, I'm going back a little bit in time on their schedule. But, like, they lost to Golden State on March 2nd. They lost to Chicago on March 6th on a Zach Levine buzzer beater. Mm-hmm. Then they got blown out by the Rockets. They have a buzzer beater lost to Trey Young and then a blowout loss to Orlando. Just like, to Trey Young. Yeah, that was all. <laughs> um, but it's like they've got those five losses in the month of March and seven, eight, nine wins. So it's like nine and five. Um, that's It's fine, but 
more than anything, like even the losses though, it, they really could have won three of them also. They were just tight games and you just happened to have the ball bounce the wrong way. So yeah. it's like they've been playing fine. They've been playing against decent competition. They haven't been playing the best teams, but decent competition. So it's like I would feel pretty good about them going forward. They got six games left this year. Dallas, Atlanta, Milwaukee, Chicago, Miami, Chicago. Like if Milwaukee's resting dudes, that's a win. They could easily go 6-0 and to end the year and finish with 55 wins. That's a good season. Like, considering like how this year was going at times for Philly, like for them to figure it out as well as they are going into the playoffs at 8-2 and two now in their last 10, <clears throat> potentially going 6-0 and oh to end it from here on out, like I don't know. That's a red-hot team that, I don't know, maybe they get a little too confident, but they're – they're definitely getting out of the first round now. And if they get Toronto and they're still red hot, they could blow by Toronto also. Yeah. That's a I mean like Philly has one of the best starting fives in the league, like period. Yeah, and like there's no dispute with what kind of talent they have. It's just like could it all actually come together and exactly. function? Yeah. And it's starting to. But again, playoff basketball is different. Whenever you can really pick on Ben Simmons and make him, you know, be a jump shooter or really make Joel Embiid just take jump shots and not get to dominate in the, in the post, that could be different. And so I'm curious if it will be or if what they figured out will last going yeah. forward. The tricky part is still, I think they have a lose, losing record against the top teams in the East. And yeah. Like, that doesn't sit well for the playoffs, especially in the sec- second round. No, it doesn't. And I don't know. You're right about that. But part of me is like, Toronto just doesn't have my trust right now. Why sitting out every other night? Like, yeah. And it's so that's a good, when good I really, strategy, but like, I get, like, I get the point, but like, part of me is like if i don't trust philly i also shouldn't trust toronto yeah and at that point i don't know if i trust milwaukee now with the injury concerns they're having or just the fact that like they haven't really been to that high of in the eastern conference yet <sighs> and boston's obviously boston so like i don't trust any of them really <laughs> at this point so if i don't trust any of them i guess why not philly the way they're playing yeah it's kind of like march madness like whoever's hot going in might just get there by accident yeah, just pure, I don't know, just will to win. It's kind of like Auburn right now, just <laughs> beating Kentucky and just willing their way in, even though they just lost their best player. Like, they just somehow got there because they were red hot to end the year. Philly might do the same thing. That's a good point. And that your thought of the week blends very nicely into our topic of the week, which is... We're talking about our homer teams. We're talking about the yeah. Thunder. We're talking about the Thunder and the Celtics this this week. And good God, this is gonna be a lot of misery for the next like forty five <laughs> minutes. It's gonna be bad. Um, let's since we're on the topic of East, you brought up Celtics, Matt. <laughs> you can't see it, but I'm like cupping my head in my hands and just like pressing <laughs> against my temples. <laughs> Let's talk about the Boston Celtics. The team that we thought was almost like a shoe-in for the NBA Finals to start the season. They are not that. <laughs> has fallen from that to a middling East team right now, which is not something we would expect to say at this point in the season. Definitely not. 
let's get into some of the reasons why and let's let's talk about the Celtics a little bit more. So updating their situation, um, Boston is squeaking past the Pacers as the Pacers are collapse, collapsing right now. Um, the Pacers are three and seven in their last ten. We talked about how their schedule is about to get brutal. It's gotten brutal. <laughs> um, they haven't handled it well, or well, they've handled it about how we thought they would. To be honest, without I mean, your star player. Yeah, I mean they've handled it as best they can. So but now both teams are forty-five and thirty-two, but Boston owns the tiebreaker. That's because Boston did defeat Indiana on March 29th, so just a couple days ago. 114-112 on a game-winning Kyrie layup. What was Miles Turner doing running away from that double team? Can anybody explain well, that to me? often Kyrie will hit Al, and Al is automatic, I feel like, at the end of the game. It's on that pick-and-pop situation. But very clearly, Wes Matthews hadn't recovered, and I don't know. You got to know what you're doing there, and... Someone didn't know what they were doing um, or didn't read the situation correctly. And Kyrie got the layup. Boston won the game. Boston owns the tiebreaker now, which, if anything, I think Boston's going to end up as the four. Indiana's going to end up as the five. So really, that one mistake has determined that Boston's going to get home court advantage in this series, which is significant um, because Boston um, would much rather obviously be at home. But at the same time, it's not like Boston's been doing very well either they've lost five out of their last five of their last seven between the marcus smart joel and beach of game oh, the 18 point blow blown lead in the fourth quarter to charlotte Kyrie resting it's been kind of a just crap show is that what you're Boston. calling it Kyrie resting <laughs> sure <laughs> um yeah eight and 11 since the all-star break yeah and so it's just like when I would have loved for them to go 11 and eight and really just blow the doors out off of Indiana. And then they, if they were 11 and eight, they'd only be a half game back of the Sixers right now for the three. So it's like they would have been right there with a pretty good schedule going forward. So that's why I would feel much better. But Boston, that's why I say they're squeaking their way past Indiana. Like they are just, they're getting by because Indiana just can't handle the schedule they're in right now, which I maybe you say credit to Boston for getting through that schedule earlier in the year, and now you're kind of rewarding the fact that they've got through it and they have some easier games left. But they're not making them look easy. Yeah. Like they're making them look difficult. Part of my problem um, as a Celtics fan, trying to watch them um, just between my fingers as I'm like covering my eyes, um, it's been a tough march for the role players on this team like it's looked like dudes playing for contracts yeah it's looked like dudes who if they don't make their shot they're just they're done yeah like, it's over for them the two guys pointing out right now and it kills me are marcus morris and terry rosier guys i want to love Who's uh, Marcus Morris? Freaking started off the year scorching hot. Looks like an all star. Yeah. Luke. And and now he's had a tough march. Um, he's only shooting forty percent from the field, thirty three percent from three, and this is again just for the month of March. Averaging still thirteen points per game, but his plus minus right now is a negative five point six. Like the defense just isn't there, passing's not there, the rebounding's not there. And it, like we've said, or I just mentioned, if the shot's not going in, he just 
he kind of looks deflated. Like he knows this is a contract year for him. He knows the season's coming to an end and he knows like this team kind of needs him. And if he doesn't produce, no one's going to say Kyrie didn't do it. Al didn't do it. They're going to say like the role players didn't step up. And that's him. Yeah. And he knows. Um, I think he's like 29. This is my one last chance for that contract. And it seems to be really just pushing down that weight on him. And he's feeling it, and he's he's shooting like it. He's shooting like, man, I, I just can't get anything to go. He's in his head. And that sucks because he, like you said, he was on fire for a while. He looks like an all-star. Man, like, I mean, we went to Oklahoma City-Boston game, and it was like – Watching uh, Ray Allen come back to life. <laughs> he was hitting everything. I was yelling from the third uh, tier of the Chesapeake Arena, and he was just going nuts. And he he was confident. He was catching in stride and and just pulling up. And just he knew what his game was. Even like on less open shots, he was just pulling yeah. it. Like he just had like supreme confidence going in or not. Like he just had that confidence and. March, just like the entire month, he hasn't looked like it. Like he's he's just kind of like a guy <coughs> out there now. He kind of looks like what Marcus Morris has been for his whole career, though. And I think that's the concerning part. Is like yeah. it looked like he had taken that step, and now he's kind of regressing to the mean. Yeah. And you just wonder, like, the same way Philly is red hot going into the playoffs, is Marcus Morris ice cold and is in his own head and needs like a game against Brooklyn or whoever the six ends up being or not the six um god you're gonna play Indiana <laughs> I don't know I mean Thad Young is not the guy you want to go play maybe just for a good get game. a switch on uh uh like Darren Collison or yeah. something like that and just, and just abuse that switch maybe because yeah the but confidence then you have issue is just other real. egos on this team that you have to deal with yeah that you gotta get the ball to so like Terry Rozier kind of right in the same boat like the numbers are pretty similar 42 percent field goal percentage 34 percent from three only nine and a half points two assists and watching him play dude still kind of got the irrational confidence but man he's not moving the ball yeah he he looks like i need to start putting up some numbers like i've been the i've been the good team player all year i need to start putting up some numbers and he's putting up nine and a half points per game on like nine shots per game He's, he's in, like, that awful efficiency right now. The and Russell Westbrook efficiency is what you're referring to. <laughs> one point per shot attempt. That's really bad. And, yeah, that's where he's at right now. He's not playmaking. He's not showing he can be a point guard. It's like he's trying to be Lou Will. Like, just, I'm putting up shots. I'm going to be the spark plug off the bench. Which Boston would love to have that. But Terry Rozier is not as good at that as, like, Lou Will or, or some other guys in the league. He's just not that type of player. Do you think he still gets a contract this offseason? Like, a big contract? Like, you'd have to think so, right? I still think his market's going to be upwards of $14 million a year. I I would bet there's some team giving him, like, a four-year... Sixty million dollar deal, so that'd be on average fifteen million a year. It might be like you could do it as a flat contract. You could do it ascending yeah. and hope it kind of works out. Because Terry's still a pretty young dude, but I I wouldn't feel great about Boston extending him an extension of more than I don't know, 
10 million a year at this point. Yeah. Marcus Smart got 11 million a year on average. So if Marcus is 11, I feel like I would much rather have Marcus Smart than Terry Rozier. Well, he knows his role. He knows what he's doing. He knows who he is. And Marcus Smart's honestly playing better offensively than Terry Rozier is. So if, if we're at that point where Marcus Smart's a better offensive player consistently than Terry Rozier and the defensive production is just substantially different i want mark smart 10 times out of 10 in that situation so you think he would get like a dennis schroeder contract essentially yeah i mean are they not very somewhat similar players they're yeah i mean like what you think of i think i would rather have terry rogier I would his, too. his shot's a little bit more consistent. It's not proving that this month, but like... I would say the defense is usually a little bit better also. He's a little bit bigger guy. You can't pick on him quite as easily. You're, I'd probably prefer Terry Rozier to Dennis Schroeder, but at the same time, like, I'm not feeling great about it. I am feeling fine. I, I make that reasonable assumption, but like, I'm not feeling great about it. I would also assume because he's done it in the playoffs. Yeah. That's another thing to think about, but then like you think about... Brad Stevens and like the Boston effect like was that mostly Terry Rozier or was that the system he's playing in everything else yeah because very clearly he's proven right now like he he's no longer a guy who can who's accepted like the sixth man role he's tried he did it fine for a while but it's fallen off and and I think if he goes somewhere where he is the guy maybe this all kind of levels back out to what we think Terry Rozier can be but for this team, this situation, heading into the playoffs with just a couple games left in the regular season, he's not proving it right now. And so that kind of leads me to like my biggest problem for the Celtics um, as a fan, as an observer, as a someone who just generally loves the NBA is, if we want the best of the Boston Celtics, I need the this question answered. Who is the next guy? Who is like the number two guy? Because we know Kyrie is the one. Who is the number two? Who is the number three? Because right now, Everybody on this roster thinks they're the number two guy. Jalen Brown, Marcus Morris, Al Horford, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward. Everyone thinks they're the number two guy on this team. I don't think that's a formula for success into the playoffs. As a Celtics fan, I think Al Horford should be the very clear number two. But I don't think that's very clearly understood. I think the number two should be, eventually, Jason Tatum. I think you're right on that. I would say this season it's Al Horford. My number three would be Jason Tatum this year. In theory, I want Jason Tatum to take over that number two spot. Yeah. But he hasn't yet. It's been a weird year for like those development guys like Jalen Brown. He's eventually came, ar- came around Jalen Brown. Yeah, we need to stop crapping on Jalen Brown. Yeah, um, he's, he's having he's a good year. Yeah, no, this past month's been good. It's really, he, that first month or two was really rough. But ever since then, it's been like a slow and steady progress back to what we thought Jalen Brown could kind of be. He just doesn't have as much playing time opportunity. But he's figured out his role on this team, kind of what I wish Terry Rozier would do. Like, keep getting better, keep growing, go through some growing pains on what your role is, but figure it out. Yeah. Jalen Brown's pretty much figured it out. He's not a perfect player by any means, but he's figured it out. Jason Tatum kind of has figured out what his role is on this team. I think, like, the whole Kyrie back and forth has really thrown him off this year. Because, like, without really Kyrie last year, he was fine. Like, he was the dude on this team. Mm-hmm. And and now it's not 
quite that. Like, there's still games where Jason Tatum's taking like seven shots, six shots, nine shots in a game. Well, there was one one game where he had like 21 points a half, and then yeah. he ended up with like 25 points total in the game. It's like. Wait, yeah. wait, where did, like, what I remember, yeah, Jay King, I think, uh, beat reporter for the athletic, athletic Celtics, yeah. Celtics, like, tweeted out, like, this could be, like, that 30-point, like, career game could be in danger for him if he's 21 at half. And he hit, like, one shot in the second half. And it's like, what, what happened? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the, I feel like that was the Sacramento game, because he finished with 24, and yeah, I feel like that was the one where he's red hot, and yeah, it's just like he disappears so often in this offense, which it's kind of a part of the offense is that like everyone gets touches because there are so many good players, but I've been saying this for a while, and I don't mean to keep harping on the same point, but like <laughs> there's got to be some pecking order. Yeah, like, it's got to be whether you go to Milwaukee, you know, it's Giannis, Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe everyone else you go to toronto it's Kawhi, kyle lowry and then from there i would say it's still probably pascal siakam but and then maybe now even marcus all and then it's everyone else you go to philly and it's very clearly joel Embiid. i think now it's pretty clearly tobias harris jimmy butler ben simmons everyone else and then you get to like boston and it's Kyrie and whoever like yeah. whoever is just feeling it and i feel like that's just really dangerous because everyone always thinks they're feeling it they're basketball players everyone's like i'm hot i'm ready i'm open you're always open but like no you're not you're not always open <laughs> i'm speaking here from very limited experience but you are not always open but it, everyone thinks they are everyone like right. always assumes like i should be getting that shot like that I, I had a good look there i could have taken that one or i i had the mismatch throw it to me and it's like I need it to be like, you know what, no, that's Al, though. Al, I got to trust Big Al that he's making the right play on that. And I don't feel like there's, like, that just overall belief. Not to discredit Al Horford or Jason Tatum or anything, but just, like, this idea, like, I'm just as good as they are. Why why am I not getting the touch there? Why is Al getting more than me? Why is Marcus getting more than me? That kind of idea, I feel like, just is lingering. And there's no great way to address it. I don't know how to fix it. It's more of just, like, a complaint than anything. But, like, it's very real it feels like with this team yeah this year has been so weird for the celtics and like you wanted to see like guys like tatum really take that leap and we talked about at the beginning of the year maybe he's a borderline all-star and he could have been a borderline all-star with how bad the east was in terms of like but he just like didn't take that step and that's not i don't think like his all on him it's just like the situation that like seems to be lingering around this team and it like is gordon hayward back like he'll have flashes like that california trip where he had a game winner and then like 30 something points against the warriors it's like and i understand he's coming back from this injury but like at some point you just have to say like we can't assume he's he's gonna be gordon hayward for us yeah and you just have to like let the other guys get touches. Yeah. And just for clarifying on Jason Tatum this year, he's averaging 16 points, six rebounds, two assists, shooting 37% from three, 87% from the foul line, 45% field goal. Like, he 
doing fine. Like he's doing for a second year player, though. That's good. Also, outside, I mean, the three point shooting slightly regressed, but he was shooting at a ridiculous rate last year. The fact that he's still shooting thirty seven percent, like all of his numbers are taking a step forward. It's just not a five point per game yeah. uptick that everyone wanted. It's a two point per game uptick that everyone wanted or that we're getting yeah. now. So it's like he is progressing still. Like you watch him like he is playing better this year than he was last year. He's not taking long twos like he was at the beginning of the year. Less yeah. of that. He's like he's figuring out how to play in his role, but he's borderline too passive with just like turning down shots at times or, or not trying to get himself open as much as he would want. If anything, you want him to be a slight bit more aggressive with getting touches and maybe playmaking. But at the same time, when Kyrie does what Kyrie does, it's hard to say, like, give Jason Tatum the ball. Yeah. Not because of Jason Tatum, but just because it's Kyrie. And he's doing just ridiculous things at times. So that's kind of where I'm at. Like, they're the most frustrating team. They, they've got a pretty easy schedule going down the stretch. Me saying that probably means they're going to go 0-5 now. But <laughs> they they got home Miami, at Miami, at Indiana, home Magic, at Washington. That could easily be four or five wins. That could easily be a Boston thing where they win two games. Yeah. I, I'm optimistic still that it will be four wins. They'll drop one somewhere just because. But, like, I'm pretty optimistic that they'll go four and one to end the season. And kind of if they're in Indiana's head, maybe one of those fours against Indiana. You've won the last two against Indiana then. I'd be feeling really, really good at that point. That's kind of my hopeful outlook for this team, but I have no idea what to think, really. I'll say this. As we touched upon earlier with Philadelphia and Milwaukee, there are injuries at the top of the East. If Boston can figure it out, there's an opening for them. Yeah. No, I'm, like not, it, I'm not giving up on them. Just like as easily, like, they handled Milwaukee without Kyrie last year. Yeah. And I, I have no idea how. <laughs> Looking back on that, I have absolutely no clue. Like, Because Eric Bledsoe didn't know who Terros here was. Know. He knows now. Um, <laughs> so you're right. Like, There's still a, a pretty good path for them moving forward, especially if Milwaukee is hurt or Toronto is hurt. But at the same time, I feel like they could get a little too confident going into the Indiana series in Indiana. They play. Out. They could play hard. They could take them to seven games. Yeah. We saw it last year with Cleveland with LeBron. Exactly, and that's the last thing you want is Boston in a seven-game series with Indiana and then be like turning around and having to go play Milwaukee who just swept Miami or, or whomever they had to play. That's the worst-case scenario. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, but I don't know. Boston, Boston really... Oh man, I, I ex- teams are just a headache. <laughs> I expected when we did this podcast that I would have the headache and you would be able to be, yeah, Jason Tatum scoring 20 points a game and just it's all like Kyrie has already said he's coming back, which he did, but like it feels less and less now like he is coming back. Yeah. Um, anyways, we can talk about the Thunder now and I can rant about how bad they are. <laughs> <clears throat> they are a piece of work also. They are, yeah. So, there are issues with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, at, since the All-Star break, they've had the hardest schedule in the uh, in the entire NBA. 
With that, they've gotten 7-13 and 13 and have lost games they shouldn't have lost and got blown out by teams like Memphis, who have no business. Um, they were the three coming out of the All-Star break, and now they have fallen to eight. Uh, I said this to Matt. I'm pretty sure if LeBron was like healthy for the entire season, um, the Thunder might be out of the playoffs right now. Like, it's kind of like a saving grace that, like, the bottom of the West kind of just plummeted. Like, those 9, 10 seed teams fighting for it? Yeah, just kind of fell <laughs> off the cliff. Like, <clears throat> the Kings just aren't ready for that yet. And that's okay. But, like... I mean, they're at, like, 39 wins. Which, which is, like, double what they've had. For what the Kings have been and what they are, like, that's commendable at the very least. And, like, the Thunder went to, like, Portland, I think, like maybe right before the all-star break and ended up winning that game. Um, and you kind of thought, okay, this Oklahoma City team starting to figure out Paul George is having a career year. Uh, Paul George since has like injured his shoulder and it makes me think that injury is lingering because he's still not like he's going back to kind of inefficient nights, scoring like 28 points yeah. on 22 shots and just not being the Paul George that was in the middle of the season. Russell Westbrook has been up and down this year. It hasn't been good. It hasn't been pretty. Uh, and Steven Adams has been, I hate to say this, but bad. Like, Yikes. big men have just been, like, abusing him. Like, you go back and look at, like, some of the, like, scoring totals for big men against Steven Adams, and, like, what you're paying Steven Adams to do is set heart screens, roll to the basket, catch dunks, and defend the rim, and he's not doing one of those things, and he's doing it pretty poorly. <laughs> he just, I feel like he just has so much to do for this Thunder team defensively. Like, and, it is, don't get me wrong, he's not playing his best basketball, but man, he's got a cover for so many other people and so many other problems, too. And that's another issue is like, when he's out there with like the bench unit, like, he's there's having no defense. There's, Abdul Nader's not playing defense. I'm sorry. Like, that's just not happening. And I think that's where they're missing Andre Robertson. Like, they expected him to be back around this time, and he's not. And it's obviously affecting the way this team is playing. Like, that perimeter defense is just, like, not there right now. And, like, Paul George can't be the only big-time defender on this team. No, and he can't. And that's the thing. Like, even Terrence Ferguson, who I think is a pretty good defender, that dude's still slight of frame. Like, that dude's still figuring out how to use that athleticism, like, the incredible athleticism he has to really make, like, a good impact consistently. Like, he gets lost way too often. Russ jumps for steals way too often. Schroeder's not playing defense. Like, <laughs> Jeremy Grant should be doing fine, but every now and again, like... He just isn't coming through. Pat Pat can't really play defense. Like, there's just so many holes to fill with this team. That you're right. I don't know if Andre could cover all all those mistakes also, but man, that's a huge help. You could think that like at least Andre could take off some of that defensive load, like on switches for Paul George. Like he can cover the best best player on the other team for a couple possessions so that Paul George mm -hmm. at least can have that energy to play do what he needs to do on offensive end. And, like, maybe that's it. Maybe Paul George just is so tired from playing defense that he just doesn't have the legs to score on offense, exactly. and that's fair. Um, and we touched on this 
a little bit, but the Thunder have bench issues too. And like, that's been a theme for the last like four seasons. Like this bench just is not good right now. And on top of that, they have cap issues. Oh boy, do they have cap issues. Like they're so capped lock. It's not even like there's a solution this off season. It's not even like, oh yeah, you can go get some like nice role players. There's not that option for this Thunder team. And like, the West is going to get better. Like LeBron's gonna, the Lakers. You figure would get better. So the Thunder are just like out, even outside of the season. Like going forward, they have some issues. Like I don't know, like what the solution is. Like, do you trade Stephen Adams? Do you think about trading Stephen Adams? Oh, I think you should definitely trade or think about trading him. But man, I don't know who's paying twenty. I'm looking at his contract for next year. Twenty-six million and twenty-seven and a half million guaranteed. That's almost a max contract for a big man who doesn't have a jump shot. So you're right; it's a lot of money. And if he's Rudy Gobert, then you're feeling better about that money because Rudy Gobert is developed offensively too. I'm. I, I know Stephen Adams is overpaid. He's probably like a twenty million dollar per year player, not twenty-five, twenty-seven. I feel like it's tradable. But what are you attaching to make it tradable? And that's the thing. They don't really have any picks to Either. speak of. <laughs> I, how did the Thunder lose all of their picks? Like, do they just not get a pick ever? Well, like, they've been dealing them in, like, Paul George trades and yeah, such. I guess. I feel like you got Terrence Ferguson, and, like, you haven't drafted anyone since, like, Russell Westbrook. <laughs> that's what it feels like. I know Steven Adams, but, like, it doesn't feel like you've drafted anyone. Hey, we got this guy called Hamu Diallo. He you won the dunk contest, but... You sent cash to Brooklyn for a second-round <laughs> pick. Like, you didn't draft Hamu Diallo. They did, and you offered them some money. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just, I don't... Like, that's the thing. Like, I don't... I'm looking at this team. They've got like $147 million committed for next year because I'm assuming Pat Pat's picking up his $5.7 million player option. Oh, like you, why he wouldn't he? You, he absolutely is. He's 30 right now. Like he, There's no reason he should turn it down because that may be the max amount he's going to get on, on a two-year deal yeah. moving forward. Like He's not getting that kind of money per year anywhere else the way he's been playing the last two years. Like I mean, maybe Nerlens opts out of his $2 million player option for next year. But what does $2 million really get you? You Honestly, New Orleans has been great for what you've got. That's at. what you want at $2 million. Yeah. And so he might opt out of that and just go try and get somewhere else because he could go somewhere else and get 5 to $8 million per year. I guess you could trade Stephen Adams, see what you can get back from that, and then just have New Orleans be your starting center, which could service. Restructure him to be more like $10 million and kind of figure it out. Like some other pieces around him, I guess you're right with that. Man, this team is just so confusing on like how do you really build this team? Do the Thunder have their pick this year? Do you know? I don't think so. <laughs> they never do. <laughs> it just it cracks me up. Um, and it's not them. even like that's how you like you get cheap young players to like fill out the end of your bench. Well, the tough thing is like they're. <laughs> They're in that, like, I wouldn't say, like, San Antonio Spurs. But ever since they've had that Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden draft, they've essentially been in the playoffs minus one year when there were injuries. They So they haven't had, like, a great draft pick in a while. And, like, you, you always wonder, like, what can you really get when you're drafting 24th 
or so yeah. every single year. And I guess they've done fine with it considering they've used it in trades and everything. I don't know. It's just like you got Andre, you've you've acquired Jeremy Grant. Like you've really I feel like your GMs built this team as well as they pretty much could have. You've got superstars with Westbrook and Paul George, a really good third guy in Steven Adams. Like you've you've really built this team, but you almost start wondering, is this team cap like maxed out? At what it is like has it peaked for what it is like the paul george russell westbrook playing just on fire thing is that the third best team in the west is that your your cap with them yeah i mean like it has to be like the rockets like to me in the west now it's just the rockets and warriors like that's it like the nuggets I'm sorry. I don't think they're going to beat the Rockets or Warriors in a seven-game series. I don't either. So that's why I I think <laughs> the Thunder need to really start doing some hard looking in the mirror, unless they're just willing to ride it out and say, look, these are our dudes. We're, we're going with them for the next two, three years, and we're just going to see what happens. Like, we got nothing else. What's the next move? Trading Russell Westbrook or Paul George? Blowing it up? <laughs> The Thunder don't seem to blow it up, so probably not. I'm not saying it's the worst idea ever, but like they don't seem like a blow it up type team or, or type of franchise. They they've had really nothing but success or legitimate like team building every single year. They've been in Oklahoma City since they've moved from Seattle. I, maybe maybe it's more of a coaching thing. You wonder the same way Milwaukee changed coaches and it seemed to fix everything. <laughs> Can Oklahoma City do everything? Like do that same idea? Is Billy Donovan the right guy for the job? I feel like I get frustrated with Billy Donovan sometimes, but also he's working with what he's got to work with and he's done okay with it. I, I, like that's the thing. Like I don't, like it's not Billy, Billy Donovan's fault. There's no shooters on this team. Yeah. Part of me is like, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of like what head coaches are going to be available this year that like would be intriguing to Luke Oklahoma Walton. City. Luke Walton. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I wonder if like Alvin Gentry like gets outed in New Orleans, like this very like fast up tempo yeah. pace. Just, like, <clears throat> you know what? No, we're going to let our superstars just run it, just run the ball up the court and just see what happens. I don't know, like. What what's better than what they have as a team as a as a coach that you can put together? I just I wish they were players in this free agency, but you're what you talk about the cap. They're just not, and I don't know if they get bounced in the first round this year. I don't know if they make it to the Western Conference Finals this year. Oh yeah, that's it's, that's another thing. Like, if they end up the eighth, they're playing. Guess what? The Golden State Warriors <laughs> in round one. And it's a very real possibility that they get the eighth seed. Because right now, like, everyone's tied for the yeah. fifth through eighth spot. Their last remaining the games are Lakers, Pistons, at Timberwolves, Rockets, and at Bucks. You just got to gotta hope that the Bucks are resting there, and you can somehow squeak by the rest of these teams. I don't know. Timberwolves. Timberwolves? They, they give you all kinds of problems. Like, <laughs> like I was talking about, Carl Anthony Towns is going to work Steven Adams in that game. Yeah. Depends on the Rockets. I figure the Rockets would still be playing in that game. They want to get Since, to the three. Yeah, they want to hold on to it because right now the Rockets are forty-nine and twenty-eight. They're only a half game up on Portland as we speak. 
and they probably want to secure that three spot so that way they don't have to play Golden State in the second round. That's assuming Golden State holds on to the one spot. They don't just take it easy going into the playoffs either. So like, there's no guarantees on, on seeding right now. But you're right. Like The Pistons are still fighting. Timberwolves will just give Oklahoma City problems. The Rockets are still fighting. Yeah, you better just hope the Lakers and the Bucks just roll over for you because you could go... And even teams who are rolled up, they lost to the Dallas Mavericks today. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> you can just like don't show up and and I, I can't even say the Lakers are gonna win a game. I can't. <laughs> I can't get that like, with them. But like I, that the Bucks still couldn't beat you. Mike Voonholder still couldn't do things. Like you're right, like this team could go five and oh in these last five, this team could go one and four in these last five games. Like there's just so much variance with who they are and I think that's all about like their leader, which is Russell Westbrook. He's so up and down. Like he, this is just him and this team is the epitome of Russell Westbrook. When it's good, it is phenomenal. Man, when it's off, it's it, bad. It looks really ugly watching him play basketball sometimes. And like, I don't know. We talked about it a couple weeks in my thought of week in the thought of the week, and like Russell Westbrook's triple doubles, like whatever. But like, what do you do with Russell Westbrook at this point in his career? He's not that super max. And $40 like, million. Dollars. <laughs> $40 million. Like, it's not John Wall level bad. He's producing at least. He's still on the court. Yeah. So that's why, like, it is not as bad as that one. Um, but you're looking at $38 million next year, 41 the year after that, 44 the year after that, and Jesus. a player option for 46 and a half. Which he's like, going to take. Yeah, you pick that up. Of course you do. So it's like, man, you're locked into this for the rest of this year and then four more years. Like, I don't know what Russell Westbrook's going to be by the end of that. You don't sign a guy to that contract for what he's going to be in the last year of it, though. Like, you know what he's going to be. Like, he's going to be borderline washed or washed compared to what he was. But these next two years, like, this is it. This yeah. is really it for me. It's the last two years. It's the last two years you have Paul George on a guaranteed contract also. So, by the end of the 2020-2021 season, we're going to know what the Thunder are. And we're going to know, like, if they're if they ever reached their true potential or if they were just always a four seed. You got two years. You got this year in two years. That's it. And I say all this. Sam Presti is one of the best executives in all of basketball. He's able to move Serge Ibaka to, or well, flip Serge Ibaka essentially for Paul George. And like Incredible. you don't, you don't do that with just like being incredibly bad at your job or just dumb and so maybe he has some tricks up his sleeves but like his loyalty like to some of the core guys has me concerned like Steven Adams yeah like if he's not producing like he just has to go like he has to be traded like he's like I thought could have been like a top 10 center in the league and I don't think he's even close to that Anymore, but when do you get off of that? Because if you get off of that too late, you're not getting anything back. Right. That's just a bad contract at that point. So do you get off of it early? But then <coughs> Stephen Adams is an OKC guy. Yeah. Like he's in like all the local USDA beef commercials. <laughs> like he's that Oklahoman of a guy now. Right. That's a hard guy to trade. Yeah. From a fan perspective. And like chemistry wise, 
it's just a bad situation. Like, at least the Celtics have a chance to get out of what, like, they're young and, like, they're still, like, Kyrie could leave and go to the Knicks and that whole saga could be over and Jason Tatum can be the all-star. Just take over. Just take over. Like, the Thunder don't have that luxury. Like, it's just, this is it for the next, like, three years. Well, that's the thing. Like, if he opts out, if Al opts out, like Boston's like can be like a player in free agency this year. Like, that's the thing I'm feeling pretty decent about. Is right now Boston's got like a hundred twenty-three million dollars committed for next year, but that's counting Al Horford's thirty million and Kyrie's twenty-two million. Like, that's fifty million. That's fifty million dollars, and. Yeah, the projected cap's supposed to be like 119, so they're only a touch over anyway. So it's like, man, you all of a sudden got $50 million to go fill out around Gordon Hayward, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, whether that's Terry or other players. Like, you got room all of a sudden to go get the Chris Middletons of the world and stuff. So, like, Boston could be a player if things go south still. Like, that's the flexibility you want that Oklahoma City just doesn't have going forward. Yeah. Teams are good. Turns out playoff teams are expensive. Golden State's gonna find out what? that. What do you know, man? Golden State's already finding it out. I'm not. I don't know how their owner pays for anything at this point. Like that dude must. I mean, I'm sure he does own everything in the world, but like, championships he, are worth it. He eats in every night. He doesn't go out. Sure ever. he does. Sure he does. <laughs> That's at least what I'll I'll think. Um, okay, let's go on to game of the week. We've had enough hemming and hawing about our favorite teams and we bashed on our crapped on our teams enough yeah they're just so frustrating so game of the week uh mine <laughs> i think it's a, a very relevant game similar to what we've been talking about for playoff seating on um, teams fighting for their spots rockets at clippers wednesday april 3rd because it'll be april by the time this podcast comes out at 9 p.m central time on nba tv i got the late or uh the clippers sorry definitely not the lakers got the clippers winning 124 to the rockets 116 Man, I we also crapped on Houston early on, and they figured they, it out. Man, they really figured it out. But they're playing the night before in Sacramento, so they're playing mm. a back-to-back, whereas the Clippers have a couple days off before their game. So what you're saying is James Harden's going to take the whole night off defense, not Probably. just half the night. <laughs> and, and that's the type of games that the Clippers just <laughs> always seem to take. So I'm going with the Clippers, LAC, 124-116. My game of the week is Bucks at 76ers. A lot of the East talk this week, so I thought that would be fitting. Um, Thursday, April 4th at 7 p.m. on TNT. I don't think I've ever taken the 76ers on this podcast, but I'm doing it this week. Don't disappoint me, Joel Embiid. 117 to the Bucks, 110. Feel free to jinx them going into the playoffs. It's fine. <laughs> you know, I've had too much good juju recently. <laughs> like, my my Marsh Madness brackets were at, like, 90% until today, and thanks a lot, Zion Williamson and the fighting Duke Blue Devils. There's just... There, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a whole another hour-long podcast. Uh, Matt, do you have anything before we uh, stop recording here? Nah, I'm out. Nah. <laughs> You're ready for your load management for the week? Yep. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Couch GM Podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Pod or find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Play, or Stitcher. And uh, rate and review us if you get a chance. We'd much appreciate it. 
Thank you guys, and we'll see you back here next week.